Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Morgan Hancock is a commercial real estate agent, U.S. Army veteran, mother of two, and a passionate advocate of the arts. But most recently, she's the founder of Bourbon with Heart, a nonprofit that has a mission to leverage the influence and popularity of bourbon to raise funds for local charities, while also providing a first-class arts experience for Kentuckians. Here today to share the origin story of Bourbon with Heart and how she balances her business, her family, and her wellness is Morgan Hancock. Morgan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have you on, not only because I'm a fellow Kentuckian, uh, but because you're you're diving deep into the arts, which uh, has lately been a passion of mine as well. But before we get into all of that, um, give us a little bit about your background. Give us a couple of minutes about, you know, like who you are, where you came from, and how you got to where you are now. Well, anytime I'm asked this question, there's not an easy answer because my background has been all over the place. I have been and worked in just about every industry. I've had a lot of different ventures that seem uh, are seemingly disconnected. Um, but I am from Kentucky. I was just born in a small town called Litchfield, Kentucky. I grew up as a only child until I was grown and had my own children. And then I got three more siblings. Um, <laughs> so all my siblings are younger than my son. Um, but I was always a a child with an overactive imagination, loved the arts, loved cre- creating, uh, kind of always a rebel. And um, and I think that's just led me, you know, to all these different entrepreneurial ventures and, and to my latest one that I'm excited to talk about. So I, I think that's um, so super fascinating because I think the best entrepreneurs are exactly that, right? They, they get all of these different experiences over time and you kind of integrate them together. So um, is this the first time you're doing something entrepreneurial? And and were there any entrepreneurs in your family that you got to to watch as you were growing up? This is definitely not the first time. I think I started <laughs> entrepreneurial ventures as young as I can remember. Um, and I do have an entrepreneur in my family. Uh, most, most are not though, but my dad, he, I remember we started, he started at, Walmart, uh, just as it just worked at Walmart, um, and then worked his way up to owning, uh, multiple stores, uh, multiple locations. And, um, yeah, he's, he's his own businessman now in, in business for himself. So, so I got to ask you then, uh, so you said you started when you were really young, what was the first entrepreneurial thing that you did that you remember? Oh my gosh. Well, I've never told this story publicly before but but this is gonna sound really (laughs) weird um 
But for some reason, I thought that it would be a good idea to go around to the houses in my neighborhood and offer to kind of give like in-home like spa services. I was probably only like 10. And I remember I even made business cards uh, on Word <laughs> with like clip art. And there was this person hanging at the end of this rope. And it said like at the end of your rope, like feeling stressed, like let me, you know, help. Um, and I guess the, the weird part of that story is when I think about being 10 and knocking on strangers doors, asking if they want a massage or something. <laughs> and then why did my parents like, Wait, allow- is this, is this a, a trick? Is this entrapment? Like what is happening here? I don't understand. And I've charged five cents a minute. <laughs> five cents a minute. Okay. I got to ask. How did you do price discovery on that? Like, how did you pick five cents a minute as the price point? I don't know, but I also <laughs> talked my friend into doing it with me. So it was two of us going around and knocking on strangers' doors. And we re- I remember distinctly that one time this lady let us <laughs> come in and give her this whole pamper day and massage and all this. And she gave us a $5 bill, which was more than what the five cents a minute should have been. And right. we like thought we hit the jackpot. We were like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she paid us so much more than what our price is. Um, but yeah, looking back, like that's sort of embarrassing, but that's a true story. And and why did my parents allow this? It's probably another question. <laughs> it doesn't sound safe at all. <laughs> Um, that, that's super interesting. So, so you did have some paying customers doing that. It sounds like more, yes. more than one. <laughs> um, we did. And we, you know, we survived. We weren't kidnapped or, <laughs> or killed or, and I don't re- recall any criminal activities. I, we, it worked, you know, I wouldn't suggest that to any, um, children or parents <laughs> these days, but, uh, it worked, it worked out. So I guess, I've never really thought about that's the start to my entrepreneurial journey. Nickel a minute massages to strangers in my neighborhood as a child. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. So uh, listeners to this podcast will know that I often talk about one thing that um, a lot of early entrepreneurs have done, and, and I did too growing up, is candy bar arbitrage. So I used to buy candy bars, take them to school, sell them to other kids for more than what I paid for them because their parents wouldn't give them candy bars. And then for me, at least, I would use the difference, uh, of course, to buy more candy bars. Uh, yeah, I got to replenish that stock. But I bought comic books uh, with uh, my extra money. Um, what did you end up buying with your your money from the, the massage business? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't remember what I bought, but now you have me thinking because I just remembered what I would consider my second entrepreneurial venture was I had mentioned uh-huh. that my dad owned these stores and we had a lot of these beanie babies. They were like collect collectible at the I time. I remember beanie babies. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had like all a, a whole lot of these and um, I had just thought, well, if I I was just going to take them, put them out in the yard like a yard sale and sell them all. But I was going to sell them for more than what they were retailing for. And I was like, well, if I just pay him back, he'll just like, he'll be happy that I sold them. But I didn't like realize that they were worth like far more than what the retail was. So I sold them all for like $2 (laughs) more when they were like, you know, $200 collectors. And I got sold out in like an hour because people drive by and saw these collector beanie babies that I had 
taken from my dad's store um, and sold. And so I remember he was, I thought he was going to be proud and he was not happy because I sold all his collector <laughs> Beanie Babies for much less than they were worth. Well, I, I think all, all of these stories kind of point to um, some question of what's hap- what was happening in the the household there because they let you do <laughs> massages in people's houses and then walk Didn't away know. with collector Beanie Babies that were not apparently under lock and key. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that you're entirely at fault in, in kind of any of these stories. Um, but let's let's switch gears to kind of what you're doing now. Um, how did you get your start in, in launching Bourbon with Heart? Um, so I've always loved um, the arts. I've always considered myself a creative. I've always been a writer and an artist. And... Um, performing arts and and everything and comedy which uh comedy is a is an art form um and so and and I I can't say I, I haven't always loved bourbon I didn't start loving that at at age 10 or <laughs> <laughs> oh we would have all kinds of questions at that point about your your parents but uh yeah no I was 12 when I started loving bourbon <laughs> um but no I've I've Love bourbon. Um, bourbon is a huge part of our um, Kentucky. It's, you know, the most um, powerful industries that we have, bourbon, horse racing. And it's something that really brings Kentuckians together. If you're Kentuckian, you love, you love bourbon. And the whole world, you know, knows Kentucky as the leader of the bourbon industry. But what they don't know Kentucky for is our rich and thriving arts culture. And Arts are big in Kentucky, and we have a ton of talent here, and that's just not well known. So this organization is kind of a way to use that existing popularity and influence of bourbon to bring that awareness um, to our rich and thriving arts culture. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, okay, so when you started kind of thinking about this, um, was it like you had a history with bourbon, you had access to bourbon. Like, how did you think like, Hey, I want to do something with arts, do something with bourbon. Um, but how do I get access to these things to make sure that I can make it all happen? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I did have access to, uh, bourbon, uh, a couple different ways. I have worked in advertising for a long time. So through that, I was already working with the brands. And then also my fiance um, of five years, and yes, we've been engaged like five years, but um, <laughs> he's uh, he owns a fire protection company and does the fire protection for almost all of the distilleries in Kentucky. Oh. Uh, fire protection is very important when it comes to bourbon. It's flammable. Um, <laughs> and so between those two, between fire protection and the advertising, I was already uh, pretty well connected with the bourbon industry. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you decided to start this thing. Um, you had entrepreneurial experiences, some crazy <laughs> ones. Um, but you know, I think all entrepreneurs, they always have something that kind of scares them or, or they worry about what scared you about starting bourbon with heart. So I think, Sometimes I think whatever that thing is that scares people, it's broken in me. And maybe I needed a little bit more. I should maybe be scared of things. Um, so I would say I wasn't necessarily scared of, you know, what if this doesn't work or 
or anything like that. The kind of fear that I get with any entrepreneurial venture, and it's it's really quite unreasonable, but is when, once I get a good idea and I, and I love the idea, I suddenly start panicking and thinking, everyone's wanting to do this idea and I've got to hurry up and do it faster than them or it's going to get taken from me. And I, and, and so that's exactly what happened with this because I just thought there's no way people haven't thought to combine bourbon and art. Um, and there's no way they're not doing a bourbon barrel art in Kentucky. There's no way these things aren't happening. So just panicking, like thinking, I got to do this as fast as possible. That's kind of where my fear comes in. Yeah. So how, how do you, uh, for you, how do you overcome that fear or manage that fear? Um, I guess I, there's no way to, to totally overcome it other than I just, I just do it. And then that I just get out there in front of it and, and I get the idea out there. And then I kind of start to calm down once I realize that, okay, you know, I'm talking about this. No one's, no one's coming out of the woodwork and wanting to do the same idea. And this is, this will be mine and I can do this and, it, and it'll be fine. So really just by doing it. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you have that fear anymore? Or have you realized like, Hey, that was an irrational fear. There is nobody else doing this. No, I have that fear a lot every day. Every, <laughs> you still every, have that fear this, this far into it. You still have that fear. You know, now it's not with, uh, with bourbon with heart with with someone wanting to do a arts bourbon organization but it's yeah. now you know with every new idea that I get I, I'm I'm doing bourbon barrel bow ties for derby it's actually bow ties made out of bourbon barrel oh wow and um I've already I actually go pick them up tomorrow I have a group of local veteran woodworkers they realize that woodworking helps their PTSD they're making them I go pick them up tomorrow and you know I even think oh no everyone's going to want to do bourbon barrel bow ties if, for derby. I've got to get these. And then, then I have to go, Morgan, if you haven't, if they haven't done bourbon barrel bow ties in this many years for derby, yeah, it, it's going to be okay. So just kind of talking to myself. And- so I, I got to ask, so is, so the bow tie part of itself is the the wooden part. You're not tying that obviously. Right. So then there's a fabric strap that goes to it. I'm trying to like, imagine what this is like. Yeah. Well, really soon you'll, you'll be able to see it. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, People have made wooden bow ties, but not okay. out of bourbon barrel. Uh, obviously, they're going to look the same because it's wood. But we know, and and the brand know, that Kentucky will know, it's made out of bourbon barrels. Um, so yeah, it's wooden, and then it will have a you know a neck strap and like a regular bow tie. But huh. in a way, it's nice because you know they just they stay put. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. I mean, I learned something new today because I didn't even know that wooden bow ties were, were even a thing. Um, they are. And these are going to be incredible because I'm I'm starting with making 50 of them. And each one is going to be either hand painted by local artists nice. or uh, carved or the, it's called pyrography where you will burn the design into them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- then there's really nothing like it. And it's actually going to be an art gallery as well, uh, leading up to Derby. So they're going to be in shadow boxes along a wall, an ah, art gallery, cool. and they can be purchased and then worn to Derby. Oh, that's neat. Uh, that's neat. I love that. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. 
Okay, so let's let's kind of switch a little bit and talk about um, you know you you've got obviously a ton of ideas for for what you're doing. So how do you manage the stress of owning this and working full time um, with everything else that happens in life? Um, I think that you know there's no like X plus Y equals Z formula for really anything in life. Um, so for me, it's just I kind of just lean into the chaos and I, I kind of just thrive in it. So it's not, um, I, I think, I guess that's really the best answer. I just kind of lean into it and I just, I know that it's okay if, if everything's kind of crazy and the days are crazy and, and that's really, I mean, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. How, do you think about like setting boundaries and if so, how do you set those boundaries and, and think about them? Like, you know, you've got kids and you've got, you know, friends and, and life, and then you've got work and with the things that you're doing, they kind of probably blend a little bit, right? Because some of those people are involved in the things that you're doing, but how do you think about those boundaries for yourself? So I am fortunate because my fiance is also an entrepreneur, business owner. So he kind of, he comes along for the ride for a lot of these, as I do with, with him as well. And so, you know, with someone who wasn't, they wouldn't understand those things. So boundaries would look a lot different. And then with my uh, children, they're 13 and 20. So um, and, and my 20-year-old is already starting <laughs> The, the same. He came up with the clothing line idea the other day. He says he wants to call it creatively dead. I'm not totally sure what that means, but it sounds kind of cool. And uh, it's because, well, he said he's creatively dead. You know, he says, you're so creative. I'm creatively dead. But then he said, well, that might be a cool brand name. I go, well, that's not creatively dead. Then that sounds creatively alive. Um, but but I guess, uh, so for me, I, I bring these people into my world and they, and we share these things. So setting boundaries maybe looks a little different for us than it, it may for other families. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. Well, I'll, I'll say, uh, the grateful dead did pretty well with that name and, and what they did. So if that's any indication, uh, your son's going to do well with creatively true, dead. True. Um, <laughs> how do you think about, um, so, you know, in your day, um, do you have like an exercise routine and, and how do you work that in? into your days? Because as entrepreneurs, we work a lot, right? There's always things to do. Yeah. So I no, I mean, probably nobody think, feels like they exercise as much as you know they should. Right. Um, but again, I kind of just try to make it a team. I, I, I kind of try to make it where I can be productive while I'm doing these things. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, my fiance and I might go for a walk together, but of course the whole time we go on our nightly walk we're talking and we're planning we're strategizing. So it doesn't feel like wasted time. Um, and I also discovered something new, physician assisted stretching that I'm obsessed with. And so I do that a few times a week and it's been like, I feel it awesome. So I'd highly suggest physician assisted stretching. Physician assisted stretching. So what does that mean? So you go and see a doctor and they, they help you stretch? Um, yeah, basically. So, you know, if you were going to stretch yourself, you you can like only stretch so far because you're just going to stop. Right. It, it hurts. Um, but they like, you kind of got like, get strapped down and they will isolate like one muscle at a time and they stretch it like as far as they can. And it it's not painful at all. And you feel huh. incredible. 
Um, and I don't know how apparently it, it burns calories. And I love it because I'm like, they, they say it's exercising and you're just laying there getting just like stretching. That's so like, this is the best exercise ever. Um, but it's, I highly suggest it. Like I'm addicted to it. And the first time I did it, I like walked out of there. I think I was two inches taller. You got to try it. So, uh, okay. I, I, I got to ask about this because this is, I've, this is the first time I've ever heard about this. Um, so is, is it a special kind of doctor that you have to find to do this or? Or what is it that you go, like, if I'm searching, if I'm a listener to this podcast, I'm like, I want to do physician-assisted stretching. Like, what do I search for? Who do I search for? Well, I don't know what it's called in other places, but what it's called in my uh, city, it's a very fitting name. It's called The Stretch Zone. Okay. Oh, so there's like a, a company, a, an organization, and, and so you just, you're making a point. So how many times a week are you going? You're going... What do you say? Two, three I times do, a week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two you go for 30 minutes. Okay. Um, and you can, for all the entrepreneurs out there, you can like just be on your phone while they're stretching your lower, lower body. Okay. Body so You know, you have to like break your email session there. Um, <laughs> but it, it really is great. I've been doing it for about four months now, like religiously. And it's one of my favorite times of the week. And I feel so much better when it's over. I don't, I don't know all the science behind what it does. You just got yeah. to Google physician assisted stretching. And when I went, I first time I thought, oh, it's just going to be me and like a bunch of senior citizens in here like stretching. Like, wh- what is this just stretching? But I went and it was all athletes, um, you know, because yeah, this, right. it's great for you. And I, I was skeptical, but I'm a believer. How, so how is it that you got hooked into this originally? Did somebody tell you about it or... How did you find well, out? Well, sitting at my desk all day, every day, you know, you're constantly like your right. neck back. And I was like, I've got to do something because I'm going to, this is not going to be good for me when I get, get older. Um, and so I, you know, just Googled, you know, ways to help, you know, your neck or sitting at a desk all day. And it said stretching. And then I think I started getting ads for this stretch <laughs> zone because, you know, you Google a word and all right. of a sudden they're, they're targeting you. And I booked the free consultation. And the next thing I know, I'm like their biggest advocate. Wow. Wow. Uh, that is fascinating. This is, I've definitely learned something so far. And, and we're, we're, we've still got a few more minutes of, of stuff I want to talk about. Um, so, okay. Now you're, now you're super loose and stretched out. Um, <laughs> how do you account for kind of sleep and, and other wellness stuff in kind of your time and, and growing your business? Um, I... I do try to make it a point um, to every, you know, night when I shut stuff down, at least spend an hour, two hours kind of winding down, talking, you know, with my uh, fiance. I mean, kind of, I make that a point that I spend that time. I don't just work until I can't keep my eyes open any longer. Um, so we we do that and we try to make sure, you know, we have a show or something that we are into or watch together. and. So just kind of keeping that is a boundary, I guess, you know, keeping that boundary and, um, you know, just kind of helps us at the end of the day, we have a glass of bourbon or two or three. Um, and so sleep, you know, just really hasn't, I probably get six, seven hours a night. Okay. So I got to ask, cause I'm a, a TV junkie too. What's the most recent favorite show that you guys are watching? <laughs> well, we've, um, let's see. Well, so ironically, last night we watched the documentary of 
Richard Branson. Uh, we're addicted to the master classes. Oh, I yes. don't know if you have the app. So we it's not really a TV show, but you can airplay it onto your TV. Yep. So we will watch master classes. Um it's kind of nerdy now that I think about that, but that's <laughs> we, we <laughs> we'll watch master classes. So that's another thing I highly suggest is the master class app. It's worth every penny. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So now, you know, you've been doing this for a little over a year now. Um, and if you could go back in time and do something differently, what is that that you do differently? Mm. Or is there anything that you do differently? Yeah. I mean, that's always a hard question. I've certainly done things um, that I probably don't think were the best decision, but I guess I can't say I would do anything differently because whatever I did is how I got here. And I'm really dr living kind of a, my dream life right now. Yeah. There, there isn't something that you're like, oh, if I'd known this now, then what I know now, I would have been able to do this better or uh, somewhat differently. I mean, I started my massage business at 10. I don't know what else I could have <laughs> done earlier or sooner. But, um, no, I guess I just, um, if, if there ever has been a time where I've had a, a hesitation, you know, I would just maybe wish I didn't have any hesitation. Or if there were opportunities where I was maybe a little scared to to take them. Um, one One thing is, not if I if I see an opportunity and I think oh well, I don't want to be too pushy or I don't want to bug that person I don't want to ask them for that um, you know I should have always just pushed and asked because what's the worst that's going to happen yeah, I I think that's great advice and I think that's the thing that holds back a lot of people from entrepreneurship but um, is there anything else that you would think of that somebody that's thinking about taking the leap and uh, doing a side hustle or turning their side hustle into a full time business um, what would you tell them? Definitely not go into strangers' houses and give them massages. So that's number one. But but after that, um, if I, anytime I'm starting a new venture, pursuing a new idea, I just always ask myself, um, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. And and that really is what I would have them ask themselves. You know, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out, and that's not really all that bad. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, yes, you're right. hundred percent. I believe that too. I think a lot of people, um, over exaggerate the downside of not succeeding. Um, and I, I'm not sure why that is. And I think that's the thing that holds back a lot of people from being entrepreneurs. Um, and so, you know, when you, obviously when you were doing the massage business, you didn't think of any downside, but after that, like, you know, the first time you did something kind of real, um, how did you kind of get rid of that fear of like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of different, um, ventures, um, and a, a, I'm, I'm not doing most of them anymore. So that means they either didn't work out or it ended up not being for me. Um, and so I guess the way that when I would start, would get over that fear would just be, I'm, I'm the worst that could happen is I'm right back here where I started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but you know, I just think that perspective can, can really help people. Um, you know, I, like you, you said, I, you're exaggerating worst case scenario most of the time. Yeah. Um, because 
when you say that people are afraid, you know, success won't work out. Well, what does that really mean? You know, it, it may it, it may just not work out right then. Yeah. But this is you know a long a long ball game. Uh, right. So should do the next thing. Yeah, yeah. This is not a one and done type of situation. Uh, there's many 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 at bats um, yeah. that everybody has. Um, this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners find and connect with you? Um, so bourbonwithheart.org is our website. And then on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, same. It's just Bourbon With Heart. And then if you want to person me personally, um, Instagram, Facebook, Morgan Brooke with the E, Hancock. I love it. I love it. Thanks for coming on, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Park. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparek.com.